Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 29th, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 2, and we're at page 20, the fifth paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Anita L., the 12 Traditions, Craig F., reading the text are Alex and Lisa B. The reference number for Sunday, January 28, 2018, special edition is 10,974. That's 10974. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition. The 12 steps. Fifth message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask. Good morning, Katie. Um, you're breaking up. Can you hear me? Um, I'm assuming you can hear me. Yes, Anita, go ahead. Thank okay. you. Okay, okay. Sorry, I interrupted because I, I said the 12 steps before. Sorry about that. Anyway, here we go. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I want to thank you for allowing me to have that opportunity to give service. And I wish everybody a beautiful day. I pass.
so I'll chime in here because I didn't Katie. unmute. Um, <laughs> That's okay. For Craig F. to continue with the traditions. All right. This is Craig F. recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those that they they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. This is Katie F. I'm back. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Okay, thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 20, paragraph five. I will ask Allison L. to begin reading at Moderate Drinkers, ending with Once He Starts to Drink, and we will have comments on all three paragraphs. Thank you, Katie. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally, it may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man, 
can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. All right, again, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. So these three paragraphs are um, so key for me to understand in step one and understanding my powerlessness. I I have to understand who I am, but I also have to know who I'm not. I have to be very clear about who I am not. And so I'm not a moderate drinker. I can take a, a moderate eater. I can take a look at my own history and know that. There was never a time in my life when I could take it or leave it alone. No matter what diet I was on, no matter what plan I was following, um, there was always a part of me that was just waiting until the time when I could eat how I wanted to eat. So that definitely is not me. Um, a hard hard eater is not me if I look up, take a look at my history. Um, you know, when I had my, my kids and I looked in their eyes, I thought, you know what, this is it. This is what I needed because now I have sufficient reason why I'm not going to binge and purge. I'm not going to compulsively overeat. I'm not going to continue to put all these harmful foods into my body. I know better, and now I'm going to do better for these little people. But that, that wasn't enough for me. Um, I'm, I'm down to now being a real alcoholic, a real compulsive overeater, a real addict, because those other categories, those are not me. And so I have to fully accept that um, the, I'm, I'm the real addict. I'm the real compulsive overeater. I'm sorry, I'm not timing myself, Katie, if you could please time me. Um, and I have, to, I have to not know this in my head only, but I have to have it sink down into my heart. And why? Because if, if I'm the real compulsive overeater, then I know what the solution is. This book is going to walk me through what the solution is. Not that the solution can't work for a moderate or for a hard, but for me, a real compulsive reader, it's the only thing that's going to work for me. My experience shows me that. My own life has led me to this conclusion. Um, and, and I have to know that in the depths of myself, because if there's a 1% chance that there's a diet out there, a pill out there, a program out there, other than this, that would work, then I was going to to cling to that hope and I wasn't going to be um, rigorously honest and I wasn't going to be fearless and thorough. So I had to be rid of all those notions that I could someday be like anyone else. Someday I could be go back to being a hard eater. That's just not true. And um, I learned that from listening to others share, others who were real compulsive overeaters and looking at my own history, my own experience, and seeing what my life tells me about myself. And I know that I'm a real compulsive overeater and that the only thing that works for me and has ever worked and will ever work is to do the work of the steps, to have a spiritual awakening, and to live in this way for the rest of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. With seven seconds to spare. Okay. Who would like to share on these three paragraphs? Um, starting with moderate drinkers at the bottom of page 20, ending with once he starts to drink on 21. Madam? Nesma R. Madam? Raz R. Okay, just one moment. Okay, I got Matt M. Nessa R. Craig F. Chrissy G. R. Chrissy G. Take one or two more. Vasa O. Vasa O. 
Okay, let's go with that group. Um, Matt M, Nessa R, Craig F, Roz R, and Chrissy G, and Vasa O. Go ahead, please, Matt. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt and the Compulsive Overeater. Yeah, myself, I've, I was a moderate drinker and certain type of hard drinker, but I became, there was a point in my uh, eating career when I, I crossed that boundary and became a hardcore compulsive overeater. I definitely am a compulsive overeater because I fit all the criteria. And you know what? Sometimes my, my, my sick brain tries to convince me I'm not. When I'm sitting there binging, when I was sitting there binging on 10 or 12 uh, little apple pies, you know, that, that, that I, I am definitely, that's definitely saying you're a compulsive overeater. Who does that? Who eats two trays of Oreos and then goes drinks a half a gallon of milk? You know, no one really does that. And, um, for me, like someone says, one is too many, a thousand is not enough. And someone said there, uh, there could be a ship filled to the guttles with Kit Kat bars and Oreos. I never would be enough for me. I can have as much. I can have more. Because one is too many, and a thousand is not enough. And I can definitely relate, you know. And uh, it's not easy. To, it wasn't easy stopping. It's not easy to stay stopped. And uh, it's a lack of control that I have. And I have to take it one day at a time because I only have today. I can't base today's recovery on yesterday's recovery. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Okay, Nessa R., you're up, followed by Craig F. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, when I was growing up, I, um, you know, two of my closest friends uh, were, uh, you know, a girl in my class, my best friend, and then my, my cousin, who was a couple of two or three years older than me, and they were my eating buddies. They certainly ate like I ate. Uh, my cousin actually was even worse than me. Not only was he fatter, but, you know, like his food habits, his breakfast every morning was um, a family-sized bag of Cheetos and a two-liter bottle of Coke, um, not Diet Coke, Coke. And, um, you know, that was every day. I, I didn't even do that. But then as, as we grew up, you know, my, my friend and I, too, um, started becoming uh, interested in boys and she decided, you know, boys don't like fat girls. So she went on a diet and she lost weight. And to this day, she's still in a normal body. And then my cousin got fed up with being teased and being made fun of and the butt of all the jokes. And so he too went on a diet. And to this day, he's still um, in a normal body. And I tried and tried and tried, and I went on diets, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. But, you know, even the ones that worked, I could never um, keep the weight off. And this is something that they've done, you know, like over 35 years later. I mean, they never look back. And I was always, like, puzzled. And, 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 you know, I guess puzzled is the best word. How come it works for them? Why can I not do it? And I could never understand it. You know, like, what do they have that I don't have until I read this page? Um, they were hard eaters. I am the real thing. They didn't have an allergy of the body that um, made them unable to stop eating. And they didn't have an obsession of the mind that forced them to start eating again, you know, even after, even after a tremendous binge um, that would leave me 
totally disgusted with myself. You know, they, they weren't like that, and I was, and that was the reason why they could take the weight off once and keep it off forever, and I couldn't, you know. For somebody like me, a diet is not enough, because if it was, I wouldn't be here today. You know, I need entire abstinence in the 12 steps, not only to maintain the normal-sized body that I have now, but also um, to keep a normal size head, uh, which is uh, the greatest uh, the greatest aspect of my disease. Um, you know, only only the steps could really do that. You know, which have opened up access to a much better power, a much more um, uh, reliable uh, power that gives me a much better sense of ease and comfort than the, the food ever ever did. Um, the interesting thing is that in order to get there, I had to put the food down entirely. But you know, knowing the answer, knowing what I am, opened me up to the solution. And I figured out thank you what the problem was. I I had no access to any solution. Thank God for this book, and I pass. Okay, um, next we have Craig F. followed by Roz R. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Um, this, uh, we're continuing with this, uh, in this chapter, it seems to me, with this identification process. With, we're um, working on uh, looking at ourselves uh, to see if we identify in uh, what am I a compulsive overeater? And, you know, one of the problems that for, um, for me and for some people is that um, we, we look at this and we, we try to say, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a heavy eater. Maybe I'm just a moderate eater. And we, and, and, and that may be true at this point, but um, we forget the progressive nature of the disease. You know, um, there are people that are moderate eaters and heavy eaters that can stop. And, and like the last person shared, there are people that can do that, <clears throat> stop, and, and uh, the disease never progresses, and they never get to the place where they're beyond human aid. Um, but there are the, the rest of us that e even if, I, you know, I spend a lot of time saying, I can't be this because... Remember, I did this. I went on this diet. It lasted for a year. I went well, but it ended, of course. And and you know, I can't be a uh, I, I can't be a compulsive overeater because well, I I, I uh, uh, simply hadn't uh, done enough experimentation yet, you know. And I and even in recovery or even in the rooms, I struggled with this idea of whether I was uh, truly. Uh, beyond human aid or not, you know, and I, and my ego would come up, I'd get six months or get a year, I'd get the weight off, I would start feeling kind of froggy. And uh, I would say, uh, you know, to my mind, maybe I'm a little hasty about this thing. But the truth is that uh, no matter what happens, short term, uh, I always went back to the trough. And, uh, you know, I have the disease, I have the, the obsession of the mind, I have the allergy of the body, and uh, I'm beyond human aid. Uh, I'm beyond uh, the, the effects of human willpower. I'm beyond uh, the effects of, of psychotherapy. I'm beyond the effects of 
frothy emotional appeal and beyond all those things in the doctor's opinion that 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 says won't get me sober uh, that won't get me uh, abstinent that I have progressed beyond that and uh, the only thing left for me is a is a complete psychic change the only thing left for me is the power of a power greater than myself and with that I'll pass thank you Thank you so much, Craig. And next we have Roz R. followed by Chrissy G. And if you're not Roz R. or Chrissy, please mute your phone. Thank you. Hi, this is Roz R. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. I'll set my timer. Um, Thanks, Katie, for taking the meeting. Um, uh, These three paragraphs here really um, hit me hard because... um, I really defied um, being a career compulsive overeater for the many, many years I've been in program, long, long time. And um, thinking back, I've had so much proof that I'm not. Um, and different different things have happened through the years. You know, I had Crohn's disease um, diagnosed like 40 years ago, and I was quite ill. And I had to go to different clinics around the country because um, I opted to do it in a, a more holistic way. And I would lose so all my weight. And I would come back, and each time I came back, I was, like, so thin and thinner than I even dreamed, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm probably not really a compulsive reader. Look at, you know, I'm, I'm my weight's down. I'm fine. Um, I would start out with, you know, eating the foods the doctors had told me I needed to eat. And then I would get into something. Um, and, and I never understood, like, like how – I mean, I had gone to seven clinics over many years – and each time the same thing happened, you know, um, I was sick uh, with Crohn's. I lost all the weight. I came back. I was following the program they told me to follow, and then I would start eating, and, and I would gain it back in such a short time, and I never understood. I could not understand why. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe about five years ago, I had, a, I had to have a surgery, and um, after that surgery, no matter what I ate, I kept losing weight. And what I didn't know, what the doctors told me at the time, was my body was in trauma, and what I thought was, oh, I don't have this disease anymore. And I remember sitting and putting little things of chocolate chips on the side of my bed, waking up in the morning, thinking, oh, this is so great to be a normal eater. I can eat chocolate chips in the morning and, you know, and it doesn't bother me. But, you know, it turned. It's, it's that the, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. It twisted on me. And all of a sudden, it was like I couldn't stop eating and I gained the weight back. I have, have had more sizes in my closet, probably not more than you guys, but but I think the last straw is just recently the realization that I am a little different than all of you, that I can have sugar, not in candy bars or things like that, but it can be in my salad dressings or it can be in certain foods. It's not a big deal. And I started to experience like this mental obsession with food after I ate what it would be a normal meal. And um, I finally had to look at that. And it's only been like a week or so that I actually took it out of every ingredient like even if it was 12th in the in the product and what's amazing to me is there is such a new freedom i mean i guess the disease never stops progressing even and it never stops teaching me so um that's that was a huge lesson and um and now i have like this new freedom that i have not felt before but um anyway it's a really powerful three chapter uh three paragraphs and thank you for letting me letting me share a pass. Thank you, Roz. And next we have Chrissy G followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Chrissy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. 
And this this is a good part to read when someone is really struggling with whether they are if they need this program or not because it's extreme. It, this isn't something you're going to want to do if if you can just go to um, a doctor and lose weight. This isn't. I mean, what does what does stopping compulsive overeating have to do with making a list of your character defects or making a list of your resentments and and making amends to people? You know, you no one. I know I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to do this if I didn't have to do it. If I wasn't convinced that I was a real compulsive overeater and that there was only one way to recover. I my current sponsor now was a person whose number that I got from a friend when I was trying to decide whether I needed this program or not because I had come into AA at a certain age and I was bulimic and I was you know I had all sorts of eating disorder um symptoms and I stopped drinking and I stopped I stopped binging and vomiting. So at that point, I thought that, well, I'm abstinent. I'm in food recovery. I'm working the 12 steps in AA, and I'm working it on my food problem too. And honestly, I lived that in in restricting and binging unhealthy food and controlling with diet for the next 20 years. And And it wasn't that it wasn't better but i was body obsessed and food obsessed all the time just because i was in a in a size body that kind of stayed relatively the same didn't mean that i didn't have the obsession so when when my now current sponsor read these words to me that we just read i hung up the phone relieved because i said oof I guess I'm not a compulsive overeater. I've been controlling this on my own for how many years? But the the real question is that we have to ask ourselves is are we, we preoccupied with food more often than any other thought during the day? And if so, that's an obsession. And an obsession is addiction, is compulsion. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Okay, Vasa O, you're up, and then we'll open it up for for other people. Can you please everyone page we're on and paragraphs? I will after Vasa. Go ahead, please, Vasa. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful recover compulsive Ovita calling from Florida. Thank you, Katie, for your service and everyone for being here this morning. And uh, I can identify so much with just three paragraphs, but anyways. I had all the symptoms of, you know, of compulsive overeating, but they were, I didn't know it was called a disease. I didn't know it was called an eating disorder. I didn't know anything about the allergy. Fine, but, and I had been struggling all my life till I came to Overeaters Anonymous, trying to find the solution, trying to control it. And with everything I did, it just never worked. It did work for a little bit. But not very, I've always picked up the food. I could never keep it down. So I remember coming and trying to identify in these three paragraphs. I said, you know, yeah, I tried to be moderate, you know, eater over the years. 
But I always gave in. I tried to control it, but I always gave in. Gradually, it for me became gradually progressive. And then it's in the type two. It says the hard drinkers, uh, like they could probably stop for a little bit or stop if they were in love or if somebody was sick or something happened in their businesses, whatever. And I remember if I was in love with somebody, like, you know, my stomach would be not, you know, I didn't want to eat because I was too much in love with somebody. Or if somebody was really sick, you know, my mother was very sick, and I remember worrying about her, and my stomach would get in knots, I couldn't eat, but once things passed, I would always go back, and I'd gain the weight, and I'd always gain more than what I took off. And I remember thinking, oh, I wish I could get sick so I can lose weight myself, you know. But then, you know, again, those were all the wishful things. And then by the time I read, you know, paragraph three, that's where I was, you know. I had crossed from trying to control it. I could not control it any longer. I gave in to the food because no matter what I tried, I just couldn't keep it. So I surrendered to the food, you know. And, I mean, I had a sister-in-law that she'd say, oh, I, you know, you can have only half a sandwich and have this or that. But she didn't have the disease. My husband does not have the disease. He can put it down and then pick it up. It's not a big deal for him. Leave it or take it or leave it. But I couldn't leave it alone any longer. And I thank God I was brought into Ovedas Anonymous. Finally, there was a name. I, I, I'm going to wrap it up. Finally, I found that there was a name that I can put with it. I had a disease. They call it eating disorder, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I was so relieved that I could find out the solution. But anyways, I'm so grateful I'm in this program, and I've been in it for many years, and I've kept the food out. It's by the grace of God and working the program, the 12 steps, and I passed. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, we are on page 20 at the bottom where it starts with moderate drinkers have little trouble. And we read through three paragraphs ending with once he starts to drink. And we're commenting on all three. Who else would like to share on that? Barbara, Barbara E. Barbara E. Camille G. Harlan G. G. Camille G. I got you, Camille. Thank Barbara you. E, Camille G, Harlan G, who else? Donna P. Mm, I heard two names at the same time. Donna P. Donna P. Lisa B. Lisa B. We have time for a couple more. Martha S. Marcia S. Marcy S. And who was the other? Was it Martha S.? Yes, Martha S. Thank you. Okay. Martha S. and Marcy S. Okay, great. So let's go ahead with Barbara E. followed by Camille G. Did you just call me Barbara E.? Yes, I did. Oh, thank you so much. And again, thank you for your service. It simply boiled down to me. For me, is once I had the craving and it would never be for a stalk of celery 
once I had the craving for a donut or some candy bars or some french fries, once I had that craving, I couldn't stop from starting. And the compulsion took over, and once that started, I couldn't stop. That was the allergy, over and over again. And I proved it to myself, just like the woman in the story on page 556, Freedom from Bondage. She had a good reason to stop. She had an enlarged liver, and she was able to stop because doctors told her she'd die if she didn't. But as soon as she got better, she started drinking again because she didn't like how she felt. And then finally, she met up with Dr. Harry Tybold, who persuaded her to go through the AA program of recovery. That's really what my story is like. I had to go through all the things I had to go through before I was desperate enough. A doctor told me I was losing my eyesight. Another doctor told me that I needed hip replacement and knee replacement. Nothing stopped me. I would get better for a while, then think I had it under control, and go back to it again. But after coming into OA, and especially into Vision for You, a beautiful life did begin to emerge. Uh, I was taught how to handle my anxiety and relate to people, and to have reasonably good relationships with people, and avoid resentment. I needed to do that. My son is living with us, and when he came home, we were like oil and water, like two rams butting their heads against each other. But now, not so much, not so much. And I spoke to a woman yesterday, and she said, your son sounds like a real love. And I thought, oh, my God, is that how I'm describing him? How have I changed? I really did not accept that I needed to have a psychic change. I didn't think I could make that happen. I really didn't think I could give up my control. I thought I had control. I just didn't know when I'd lose it. So I had to stop saying no to a psychic change and start saying maybe. And for quite a while, I really doubted I needed that psychic change. But that's okay. What mattered was what happened afterwards. I'm so grateful that now I have yet to have that knee replacement or hip replacement surgery, and I can live in this transformation that I needed to. And it comes and it goes fitfully. Time. Oh, thank you so much, and thank everyone again for their service this month in January. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Camille G., you're up, followed by Harlan G., this is Camille G. in Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, I really depend on your service to stay connected to, to vision. Um, and so on page 20, it says, if you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And today, I'll just talk about today for me. I'm definitely an addict, and I definitely want to get over it. And... I ask every day, what do I have to do? Because I'm really willing to show up to the plate today. And then it tells us, before we go into answering this question specifically, the big book wants to make sure I get who I am. 
you know, and I can skip right to the um, real alcoholic paragraph. However, right above that, it says, they're talking about the hard drinker. And in the hard drinker, it says, if a sufficiently strong reason becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. Moderate. Um, I can give you the strongest reasons on the planet. Um, not being, losing my period because of my eating disorder and not being able to have children. My husband telling me he was going to divorce and lose me. Um, knowing I was in a law enforcement career and I was a, I was lying and manipulating and cheating in my own personal life. Um, none of those were sufficiently strong enough to change me. I thought it was probably strong enough to change you and I'm different. And so I just so appreciate how it's almost gentle and so hard. It says, what about the real alcoholic? Um, I don't, I did start off, start off moderately. I know I did because I remember being a, a teenager lying to my mother to get on my bike to go to McDonald's to buy two malteds, not one, when they were 25 cents each. And it was the most important thing to me. And I had told my mom I'm seeing a girlfriend when I knew she wasn't there and all I wanted was McDonald's. And I definitely became continuous because as I grew older and older, I couldn't stop binging. Um, and I, and I was, became totally obsessed. I mean, food controlled me 24-7. If I wasn't dreaming about it, I was planning. If I wasn't chewing, I was planning and thinking. It, 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 was, it was my life. Um, I did begin to lose all control of my consumption once I started. But to be honest, I lost control of my consumption mentally long before I picked up that first bite. Long, long before. Because... Chewing was the answer, was the remedy to my entire life. It was, it was everything to me. And so I just so appreciate how I identify in 100%, and it almost brings me to tears today because there is no question for me. And I am humbled by these questions, and I am joyous because I know exactly Hi. who I am. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Camille. Harlan G., you're up, My followed pleasure. by Donna P. Thank you, Katie, and thank you to Team Monday for your service in making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I almost laugh when I read this, and I read the words, if they have good reasons for it, they can take it or leave it alone. I also want to laugh when I see if a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. And the reason I laugh is because that's not me. I had every reason to stop or moderate. Every fiber of my soul was ripped asunder by this disease from the time I was a toddler. I have vivid memories as a three- and four-year-old of people screaming and yelling at my mother and screaming and yelling at my father about how fat I was getting and how much food I was eating and why were they allowing me to eat chocolate chip cookies and why were they allowing me to drink chocolate milk and on and on and on. And when the big book wants to tell us something, it tells, us to us, it, tells it to us more than once. 
it spirals that information and it gives it to us in many, many forms and on many different pages. I'm going to go to page 30 here for just a second. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. I have been obsessed with eating and obsessed with food and weight for as far back as I can possibly remember. There has never been a time in my life until I had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps that I was able to control and enjoy my eating. When I controlled it, I couldn't enjoy it. When I enjoyed it, I couldn't control it. The depth at which I fully accept at my innermost self that I am different from other people, that I am a compulsive overeater and require a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps will mark the urgency that I will fare forth in the rest of the steps. I must accept this fact. I am not, I have never been, and I never will be a normal eater. And for people like me, I must have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. I must work the steps every single day as if my hair was on fire or I will return to the food. It is a certainty. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Donna P., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Good morning. This is Donna. I'm a compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, good morning, and thank you all for your service. Um, I can remember I came to OA for the first time in 1983, and I just heard the steps over and over, and I did not understand how it applied to my life or if it was something that I was supposed to internalize and quote-unquote work. They just seemed like good slogans, but I didn't understand anything but the tools and the the you know the group support and that's what I did for like 18 years of just floundering around and I lost my abstinence in 1999 and I just I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know how to get it back and I met a, a man I dated a man who had had a gastric bypass and to me, this looked like such an amazing program. I thought, oh, my gosh, if they cut my stomach in half, I can't overeat. I'll be physically prevented. I used to say I'd have to have somebody follow me around with a gun to my head to make me stop eating. And I thought, this is my gun. And I did it. And I lost the weight. But then life got terrible again, and I gained it back. And people said to me, oh, my God, you have half a stomach. How in the heck did you gain a hundred and something pounds? And I said, I I don't know. It's just that they did not operate on my brain. They did not operate on my soul. They did not remove this mental obsession and this allergy of the body, which I did not even discover, even though I'd read the book, did not really internalize and conceive to my innermost self until another ten years later. But thank God. Someone in whom the problem had been solved finally did explain the program to me, lead me through the book. And yes, I have recently still struggled. And yes, 
even after I became recovered and became a sponsor, I still could not quite get my powerlessness. For today, for today, I thank God, my higher power, that I have the gift of abstinence that he has given me and I did not carve out for myself. This work of abstinence is only the beginning, but it has to be the key to what I do every day or else I cannot live in this recovery. I cannot live. It is the beginning of my spiritual fitness. That's what the book tells me. But because I am a compulsive overeater, because I am an addict, and I thank God for it, because I've discovered so much about him because of it, because of that, that is what lets me have the spiritual fitness that evinces my recovery. Thank you all so much for being here. I love you all. I love being part of this fellowship. God bless you, and thank you. I pass. Thank you, Donna. Lisa B., you're up, followed by Martha S. Good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Well, you know, my life began for me when I came on this phone line, this healthy OA meeting, and I began to hear, oh my gosh, I began to hear a message of depth and weight. And the line that I wanted to talk about, what about the real alcoholic? Well, when I look up that word real, it means actually existing as a thing occurring. In, it's a fact. It's not imagined or supposed. And, you know, when I met my recovered sponsor, and I never met her in person, but I've talked to her on the phone, and we went through this big book line by line, she began to share with me the truth of her experience, which is also my truth. And I began to understand clearly who and what I really am. In working with others, it says, explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. I needed to become fully aware of who and what I am. And it began in this book, beginning in the beginning, the beginning of the book. And then when we got into this chapter, I noticed that that buzzing sound in my head began to go away. But, you know, I never knew I had a buzzing sound in my head. Now I know that that was the mental obsession, but it was pierced with a needle. It was like, pop, gone. It was gone. Finally, there was quiet. There was quiet, not only because I was entirely abstinent, but because there's a message of depth and weight that my spirit, my soul, that mental obsession, that spiritual malady had been craving. I just wanted someone to tell me the truth of who and what I really am. And who knows, maybe they did try and tell me all those years ago in the treatment center. And, you know, and I've been going to AA meetings and I hear it there, but I didn't really hear it. I needed for me to meet with another recovered compulsive overeater so that I could hear the truth and really identify in. Um, so I, all of a sudden, my higher power is saying, okay, enough. You said enough. So that's it. I'm finished. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay, Martha, you're up. Hi, this is Martha S. Did you say Mar- Martha or Marcia? Martha yes, S? I said Martha S. Followed okay, by Marcy S. Okay, thank sorry. you. I'm sorry. I couldn't I didn't hear you. That's my my mistake. Thank you. I was unmuting myself. Um this is Martha no S. Problem. recovered compulsive eater in upstate New York. Um so these paragraphs on page 20 and 21 um just make me think that 
Um, you know, I tried different things, many, many different things that didn't help me lose weight or keep the food down over the years, things that might help and work for other people. But for me, I got to a point where when I came into the program four years ago where I just, I my eating was out of control and I finally admitted that I was powerless over the food. It took me a little while to admit that, but... Um, you know, I wasn't a moderate eater. I still cannot, and I accept this. It has been smashed home to me. I accept that I can't have one bite of um, something with my red light ingredients in it for a special occasion. That's not going to work for me, and I accept that. And um, I'm enjoying a life of sane and happy usefulness in the program, living in steps 10, 11, and 12 in recovery. But I'm not a moderate eater, and I accept that, and I'm not a heavy eater. I'm a real compulsive eater, as um, Bill W. has described in the big book. Also, I just wanted to share if there are any newcomers out there. Um, if you know, I don't really identify with the folks who talk about a lot of heavy binge eating, you know, eating to the point of um, being really, really full and then continuing to eat and getting physically ill. That's not my story, but I definitely was overeating and and sneaking food. It's like as soon as my husband was out of the room, I would get into his stash of snacks that he keeps because he's not a compulsive eater and he can take a bag of something and it can last him for a whole month. But, you know, I was out of um, control and it was alarming and it was getting progressively worse. So um, I wasn't binging huge quantities all the time, but you can get you can recognize that you're a compulsive eater and get off that ladder at any rung. So um, it's just a matter of accepting the powerlessness and seeing that and accepting it and then finding a sponsor to take you through the, the clear instructions in the big book so you can be recovered from the obsession of the mind with the food. And I'm really grateful for this program. Thank you for the opportunity to share, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Martha. Okay, Marcy S., you're up. Hi, I'm Marcy. I'm a compulsive overeater for New Jersey, and I am the real overeater. I've been in OA since 19... I came into OA in 1994 when I was in my 20s, and I lost 100 pounds right away, and I felt a God connection, but I never really worked on the steps, so I gained it back rapidly, saying I could just have one, and then then I would have the whole box afterwards. So I gained it back, and I try another faction of a way that has certain food plans and certain requirements. And I, I did that as successful again, losing weight, but I could never keep it off because I felt like I was on a diet. I was still obsessed with the food. I'd walk around all day with a little food notebook and write down food thoughts in it all day long, even at meetings. And so it wasn't until... You know, I left for an eight-year relapse and got up to 350 pounds and, and, and came back in 2015. But it wasn't until last week when I was at a retreat and there was a workshop on a doctor's opinion. And I've heard it, I heard it before that there's there's an obsession of the mind and a craving of the body. But I didn't really think it applied to me because I say, oh, I'm addicted to any and all foods, and I am. But I do have a problem with sugar. Once I start to eat sugar, I can't control it. For, I, and it, 
for about a year now. I've been praying every morning. I admit that I'm powerless over food and I'm powerless over sugar, but I never really believed in my heart that I was addicted to sugar. And now that workshop really brought it home to me. I can't, I am powerless, completely powerless over that first bite of sugar. For me, it might, it might not lead to a sugar binge the same day or it might be a couple of days later, or even weeks or months, but eventually I have it in my mind. I think I can control it, and I take my will back, and I overeat. I overeat on sugar. I have a sugar binge, so I can't control it, and I had to admit that. I now I believe in my heart. I'm totally powerless over sugar, and I'm working on my steps, and I really believe, and I really take it to heart. I have a God consciousness, like I, from in a, in a present that I never really had before, and which we'll call it. I'm like the guy, I'm like the guy on page 24 that said, oh, it won't burn me this time, so here's how, and then he found himself pounding on the bar saying, how did I do it again? That's how I was, even I was in program, I was going to be like, how come I, how come I keep on you know, picking, Taking my will back and, and binging. Well, I need to work these steps as they're precisely outlined in the big book. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Marcy S. And we have time for one more person. There's someone who'd like Larry. to take that spot. Larry, go ahead, please. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader, and I'm from Chicago. I'll just be really quick. You know, the book discusses the, the different uh, – you know, the different categories of a uh, drinker. And I don't know why, but there was something that I, uh, that I was reminded that Carl Jung, you know, this, this great psychologist um, from Europe said with regard to our individual personalities that made me think as we're reading. And he said that, you know, the persona um, is, is a kind of mask and it's designed on the one hand, <clears throat> on the one hand to make a, a definite impression upon others, right? We try to make a definite impression upon others. But on the other hand, he said, it's also designed to conceal the true nature of the individual. So, you know, that's the lens in which I see the classification of drinkers because I'm forever trying to convey to the world that I'm normal. We all want to belong. I just want to be like everyone else. You know, God forbid that I'm viewed as as uh, as flawed, different than a normal person. And yet for everyone, you know, we're, we're inevitably confronted with the truth. And I, you know, I've known people who while they were, and, and I really mean this, while they were analyzing this, while they had the internal debate, you know what happened? They died. Now that may sound like, you know, a bit extreme, but they did. I know several people that while they were debating, while they were having the internal debate, the external discussion with others, they died in the process of uh, evaluation. You know, who in their right mind wishes to be labeled a compulsive overeater? I'm going to hide that label. I think I needed to at some point to give up the debate and move trust in the process, move on with the process this practical program of action. And I'm grateful I did. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Larry. Okay, perfect timing. Okay, so thank you to everyone who um, helped to make this meeting happen this morning. Anita L., Craig F., Allison L., and Lisa B. And then um, Reva P. and Penny C. will be helping after this. And thank you to everyone who shared.
We will now close with the reading. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I uh, skipped this part. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Monday, January 29th, 2018, is 10978. 10978. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.